Hey, stranger! The Opus is moving out and into a new season as we continue to explore the ongoing legacy of music's most iconic records. I'm your host, Adam Unz, and this season we're celebrating the 45th anniversary of Billy Joel's fifth studio album, The Stranger, a record whose critical and commercial success catapulted the piano man to superstardom. Helping us explore this classic collection are artists like Billy Joel's drummer Liberty DeVito, Regina Spector, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Rozzy, Lissy, The Arkells, Bayside's Anthony Renari, and Ben Folds. Great music shapes lives, shakes rafters, and embeds itself into our culture. So let's find out why only the good die young as we deep dive into The Stranger. The new season is out now and is brought to you by the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy Recordings. Find us at consequence.net or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, my guest today is artist, producer, engineer, and remixer Patrick Holland, whose spark is Robert Altman's magnum opus, or, you know, at least one of his greatest films, Nashville. Um, I love talking about Robert Altman, and I love his movies, so I'm always very excited when my guests feel the same. Uh, I've only talked about two of Altman's films so far, so, you know, any future guests out there who want to talk about one of his movies, please do. Just putting it out there. Anyway, we're going to dive right into the chat in just a sec, but I wanted to warn you that there are spoilers aplenty in this episode. So if you haven't seen Nashville and you don't want the ending ruined for you, maybe watch it first and then uh, listen after that. Up to you, though. Okay, let's get cracking. Quick Patrick facts. Montreal-based Patrick Holland has been known in the past for his electronic releases, under aliases such as Project Pablo and Jump Source, receiving praise from outlets including Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, The Fader, Uprocks, and others, as well as production and remix work with Tops, Cut Copy, Jacques Green, Home Shake, and more. With his new album, Holland is reintroducing himself and making his first foray into guitar-driven indie pop, written and recorded in tandem, you're the Boss finds Holland self-producing, playing almost every instrument on the record, as well as singing and writing his own lyrics for the first time. You're the Boss is out right now. Uh, quick Nashville facts. Nashville is a 1975 comedy-drama film directed and produced by Robert Altman. The film follows various people involved in the country and gospel music businesses in Nashville, Tennessee. Over a five-day period, leading up to a gala concert for a populist outsider running for president on the replacement party ticket. Nashville is noted for its scope, 
The film contains 24 main characters, an hour's worth of musical numbers, and multiple storylines. Its large ensemble cast includes David Arkin, Barbara Baxley, Ned Beatty, Karen Black, Keith Carradine, Geraldine Chaplin, Shelley Duvall, Scott Glenn, Jeff Goldblum, and Lily Tomlin. Nashville is, as I have already said, now considered to be Altman's magnum opus and one of the greatest films of all time. In 1992, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. In 1992, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And there you have it. Let's jump on over to the main event. Here comes my chat with Patrick Holland about Nashville. Do you remember being turned on to this movie or uh, when you saw it for the first time? I'm trying to remember who it would have been. I, it was definitely just a friend uh, that recommended it, but I had seen other Altman stuff, like The Player. Um, and I think I may have seen McCabe and Mrs. Miller before as well. Um, but Nashville, I, I'd been told, I was like, it's a crazy movie. It's mm. different than his other ones. Um, so I wanted to dive in and I guess I rented it. It would have been, I watched it for the first time in 2020. Mm. Yeah. So, so like during uh, the pandemic or was that exactly. Before? Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. why when I chose it, I, I realized like I had, uh, I watched it while I was like in the middle of like recording and writing my record hmm. um, or early, in the early stages ish. Um, so, yeah. Right. So it's like, Hmm. Now what should I do to relax? Yeah. I can't leave my house. Might as well yeah. watch a three hour movie. <laughs> and I was watching a lot of movies at that point. Mm -hmm. I even want, like I was watching some like five hour movies, like Vim Bender's movies that were mm -hmm. way too long. Um, yeah. So Nashville was long, but it didn't feel that long, honestly, in comparison to the other stuff. There's like, it's not a slog to watch. Right. That, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's such a monumental, uh, it's like this really important piece of film history in terms of the style, the uh, and 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 in Altman's career, I think it's a real yeah. um, turning point. It was when he really started getting control of his films and was able to dictate the terms, dictate the pacing, um, how the film was constructed all of those kinds of things. So just like from a technical standpoint, from a um, nerdy film history standpoint, yeah. it's really, really important. And that's not even in taking into account the film itself, the story, the exactly. kind of cultural impact of it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. It came, it, it came after MASH, right? Yeah. MASH was, and I mean, and because of MASH being such a smash hit, even though I really dislike that movie, um, it was still like it made freedom for it gave him freedom to do what he wanted i'm right. sure in that in that world in terms of like the business and stuff right right and mm -hmm. um that kind of improvisational style i mean he'd started he he always uh encouraged some kind of in, improvisation but i don't know if it was mm -hmm. ever this totally free flowing um yeah. like the long goodbye has a lot of elements of that in it and one not the, to this extent yeah yeah and one of the things that i love the most about altman movies is that the scenes that are improvised it's not just the 
leads who are doing exactly. that. It's everyone. So yeah. there's people with one line who seem completely natural in a way that doesn't happen in other movies that it's like, you know, I'm an actor. I know what happens when people get two lines and it's like mm-hmm. practicing and practicing and really like wanting to do the best job you can. And it looks so much like this is my one scripted line. And in this movie, there's tons of people like, you know, in the, um, uh, second car crash when it's just two guys and they're like kind of fighting yeah. with each other in the street and the stuff they're saying to each other just feels like the way that people actually talk to each other because it's exactly. improvised. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, like you said with the extras, I mean, I was just watching, like I hadn't watched it for a while. So I was watching clips of it just to remind myself of some parts that were like key parts. Um, but like the scene where they're on the riverboat, and like Ronnie Blakely is doing like, you know, about to sing. And then she has this breakdown where she keeps stopping the song to chat mm-hmm. about just like nothing, you know? Um, and just seeing it's like, even not so much in lines of improvisation, but like the body language of the, the audience and the band members and all this stuff is just wild to see. Cause it looks like you're just watching a documentary. Right. Right. Um, it's so crazy. Yeah. And all of the people in whenever there's a scene with a concert where there's an audience, it was all unpaid extras. So it's all of these Oh, people. I didn't know that. There are scenes, That's you know, so where crazy. they're watching um, when the uh, uh, token black man is uh, singing on stage. And, you know, it's part of the plot that everyone's yeah. kind of disinterested in his performance, but like panning across the crowd and there's just glazed eyes everywhere. And I can imagine that some of that is just from people like sitting outside watching people filming yeah. for hours and hours and not getting paid for it. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, all, all of that side of it, the um, the kind of the, the genesis of it as well, knowing that it's not something that's, you know, based on a book. This is mm-hmm. an original idea. And it's really just comes from uh, having sent his screenwriter to Nashville with the vague idea of making a film about Nashville. And she wrote a diary about her experiences of being there. And a lot of the stuff that she actually saw was put into the movie, like the pileup with all the cars Um, and using real life experiences to kind of build a narrative around um to me is really fascinating as well but also not just like a memoir seeking out real life experiences generating experience to create Mm -hmm. something that feels very um you know of of its time but also very prescient like you know the the stuff about celebrity the stuff about politics yeah it it could be about today easily totally a lot of it Mm -hmm. yeah I guess that's another thing to parse out. The plot itself is so it, it is kind of f- free form. And I think it's free form, but it's also very like, as you watch the movie, like it seems pointless to a certain degree. Like it seems like this sort of mumble core situation as, as the movie progresses or like, you're just watching a town go through a narrative, but then, mm-hmm. you know, as the characters with like Keith Carradine and stuff like that kind of like reveal themselves, um, I love how there's all these, it's not like try hard in it's trying to like create all these like multiple narratives. I feel it just seems so natural, which is wild to do. Um, Yeah. And having a cast of like 24 principal characters and being able to give glimpses of each person's story and not Mm -hmm. feel like you're kind of skimming the surface of of Mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. It's like so intimate. In a in right. this crazy way, um, 
but like even with Jeff Goldblum's character, how like he appears multiple times, has no lines, but like mm. that in itself is like in the way they show him, it feels like you know the character in this crazy way. Right. It's, it's quite it's amazing. Yeah, and you know, I mean Shelley Duvall has a few lines, <laughs> but same kind of thing where it's like her character, you feel like she's a very fully realized character and that you know totally. something about her story, even though she doesn't have much uh, screen time. Yeah. Um, and everything feels intentional, but it's like another thing that I love about Altman is that every frame feels it's like a, a painting or something like nothing yeah. is there by accident. Um, and it's the same way with all of these characters that even though it's improvised, even though um, from, you know, uh, a, a glance, it may seem like the narrative structure is very loose. It does all come together. It's like this, it kind of, uh, for want of a less uh, wanky word, a tapestry that's like, yeah. um, you know, all of these little vignettes with these loosely connected people that really do create this broader story that is at least to my mind cohesive and yeah. has a point and is saying something um and to take all those disparate parts and make a cohesive whole is really you know masterful yes yeah. it's, it's not it's, something it's, that everybody can do no and it's not something he did again necessarily in the same way right which and, is super interesting yeah and you know there are there's you know gosford park and a prairie home companion and stuff like that where it's following sort of loosely the same kind of uh mm -hmm. structure or lack thereof but because he had done it in the best way that he ever would for his whole career i yeah. like those other films but it feels just... like he you know he's copying himself that it's like yeah. not quite pastiche but it's like he's um, there's, uh, I don't even want to say that those are lesser films. It's just that that mm -hmm. particular concept is maybe not executed as totally. As and I, I think the big re a huge reason for me why like this one hit so hard and like, cause you know, there are many other films that have these sort of like loosely based narratives that kind of all come together in a way. Um, but honestly, like the way that music was done in this movie, I've never, I've also never seen it done in this way before. Usually it's like there's this corniness to like live music being included in films, you know, um, like the only other, it would be in, it'd be like the, is it like the Nick Drake scene in Vim Vendors is, um, uh, oh my God, what's the movie with angels in it? I'm blanking so hard. Uh, like that's, a, it's another live concert scene, basically like live concert scenes in movies, I feel aren't done in this super like natural way that you see in Nashville. Um, mm -hmm. like in terms of the audio being recorded and stuff. And I find it like, I was like really mind blown while watching Nashville. And I think that's what hit me super hard and what tied a lot of it together. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, he also never did that again in any of his films in this way, but right. it's like super unique to this film, like how that's done. Um, and I haven't seen it executed in the same way before. Right. Like even down, down to the first scene with like the gospel choir in the studio like the way that's recorded, it's like an unbelievable recording, um, which you usually don't get, I think, with like music and film. Time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I think also having a very honest portrayal of what live music is, which is yeah. like some of it's very good. Some of it is absolute shit. Some sometimes and people sing good songs and sometimes people sing really corny exactly. songs about not being able to run away with the, their girlfriend because they have to yeah, stay yeah. with their wife and kids. Yeah. Um, and, you know, opening. That's such a good song. though. <laughs> opening the scene the, in the uh, studio, mm-hmm. opening with this you know, very rah-rah, America is the best, mm-hmm. totally tone-deaf saying that, like, there's been nothing wrong in the last 200 years and, you know, we're we're so successful, this country is so great. And then having a movie that's all about how fucked up this country is yeah. um, is uh, is pretty, pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and... Also, when it's not done in a corny way. Right. It's like, to do that and say that message in not this like eye rolling cornball way uh, is like really hard to do and Mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. Right. And that's why it's satire instead of a comedy is that it's like treating these characters with respect or at least treating them honestly and saying there are people like this and they wouldn't think of themselves as a joke. Mm -hmm. And also playing, letting all of these songs play out not turning away from them, not saying, oh, this woman singing to this crowd who is desperate to be famous, but is tone deaf and can't, is never going to have a career. And the awkwardness of that in any other film, you might get 20, 30 seconds of it and then be like, Mm -hmm. that's enough. That's the joke. But it makes it even more heart-wrenching seeing her go through this when she sings this entire song and it's only really at the end that people start or when she starts another song when people start booing and really wanting her to get off the stage um and it lends itself or it uh adds to the realism of the film making it feel like you're actually experiencing those Mm -hmm. gigs but it also helps with the kind of emotional weight of whatever is going on surrounding in the scene surrounding that song um so yeah that's pretty it's pretty spectacular and there's like an hour of live music out of a you know two hour and and 40 minute runtime which is pretty spectacular as well it is it's like a hard hard thing to do it's so wild like some concert footage isn't that strong right um but it's because you are watching the concert i think that's like why but the way it's recorded, just I, I got to say again, it's just it's so, so good. Um, e- even I mean, it, it's like what you're saying, like even films that are about, you know, kind of behind the scenes of somebody's tour or something, I don't think will have. Uh, I mean, I guess if it's really about a musician, maybe there'd be the sustained amount of music, but like in a narrative film. Yeah, it's really rare to allow that much space for it. It and is. Yeah. It's a film that's about the Nashville music scene. And I think 
you know, keep removing that music would make it a completely different film and make it feel like it's not as realistic because we're doing it like in snippets or whatever, like mm-hmm. you said, like cutting scenes shorter and, you know, but like a new film, that's what it would be probably. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And in addition to the subtler stuff that uh, feels kind of funny to me, there's some things that are a little bit more broad, like um, Geraldine Chaplin, uh, the reporter, um, Opal, mm-hmm. it, to me is absolutely hilarious. And there's just a few scenes that really uh, stick out to me. Like I just watched it again last night. And when she's talking to the big, uh, I can't remember anybody's names, the big country star, the guy who sings the song yes. about 200 years of the country, um, mm-hmm. his son, who's like, you know, living in his father's shadow. And she's like, oh, do you want to sing? And he's like, yeah, I've written this one song and he's really proud of it. And it's this like vulnerable moment and he's singing to her. And then you can just see her like staring off into the distance. And the last scene has been with Elliot Gould. So you know exactly what she's looking at. And then she just yeah, says, yeah. oh my God, it's Elliot Gould. And just like leaves him in the middle of his song. So like heartbreaking and mean. And even that is, even though she's out of everyone in the cast, seems like the most kind of over the top, just like on the cusp of becoming a little too silly, but still very realistic in terms of the way that um, the, the media can be being so hungry for a scoop, being so hungry for the next story and wanting to like find a way into, you know, attach themselves to celebrities. Um, And I thought all of that was just like, yeah it's just but, and then the crazy part is like how elliot gold plays himself right too. right and, and julie like, christie as well just like kind of sauntering so in and, yeah. yeah um and then also uh the scene where she's uh talking to lily tomlin and is kind of like thinking this will be like a good sort of human interest story you know this woman's kind of in the background of nashville and then she's like oh i have two deaf children and she's like oh no no it's too sad no no yeah. i don't want to hear about it um <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think, um, yeah, in infusing, uh, a movie that deals with some really serious shit with Mm -hmm. all of that humor that is, uh, outside of those bits, maybe, uh, not as in your face and it is kind of skewering this scene while also making points about the political environment in this country, um, all of the recent political events that had happened, you know, the Vietnam War and Watergate and um, drawing parallels between the way that people obsess about politics and the way people obsess about celebrity um, and revering politicians uh, like, you know, the discussion about the Kennedys and how life-changing it was to work on the Kennedy campaigns and um, how devastating it was when they died, kind of foreshadowing Barbara Jean, the uh, big kind of Loretta Lynn country star. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, eh, I'll, I, I will warn people at the beginning, spoiler alert, yada yada, <laughs> this film's been out for 50 years. Um, <laughs> but her assassination at the end, which kind of, you know, is... Uh, foreshadowed by all of this discussion about the Kennedy assassinations and the fact that, you know, JFK was assassinated in, 
uh, a southern city and, uh, you know, that uh, all of these things had happened recently. I think it was like not even a, a dozen years after his assassination when this movie came out. So there's like all of those um, connections to real world events and they all connect to each other. And it's just like this, you know, web of uh, amazing things to think about that are really complex. And it's like after the film is done, you're left with your mind just kind of swirling with all of these things that have happened. And um, yeah, it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the last song too on that stage is so great. Amazing. Yeah, that performance when like no one gives a shit too. It's just so wild. Totally. But also all of these people having seen this horrific thing happening mm -hmm. and having this woman who really wants to be successful in Nashville be thrown onto the stage with no warning and just be like, I don't know what to sing. And singing this song that's basically like, you know, you can say that it, I ain't free, but it don't worry yeah. me. And all of the people in the audience kind of just looking bored, but then slowly starting to kind of chant along and be like, yeah, it's, I'm not worried. It's fine. I just saw somebody get killed, but it's fine. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And then just ending like, you know, it's, it's, it's this very, I don't know if it's ambiguous, but it feels like a very abrupt ending. Um, yeah. and I love that too. It's, it's like mm -hmm. just absolutely, fearless filmmaking just does not give a shit about expectations or any you know standards in the film industry totally avoiding mm -hmm. tropes really kind of defining a new genre almost um and it is probably the pinnacle of his career totally i mean he definitely did some other stuff but it's yeah this one still it's just it's so unique uh mm -hmm. for many 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 reasons yeah and, you know, I feel like I am a big fan and I love a lot of his other work. But um, mm -hmm. when you think of Robert Altman and his style and the things that define him, there are elements of that in a lot of other films. But this is the one where all of those things come together. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Well, uh, this has been very fun. Um, mm -hmm. uh, thank you for allowing me to talk about this movie. I spoke to me about the long goodbye earlier this year and I have been yeah. waiting for people to want to talk about yeah, Altman forever. So, so when I, when I was asked to do this too, I was thinking of things and like, there's a month, like I feel Nashville was something that, yeah, really got me stoked in 2020. And like, you know, there's obviously been other films since then for me. Um, but when I noticed that no one had spoken about it, I was like, okay, I feel this good. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, thank you very much for making time for me. This has been fun. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It was yeah. super fun. Fun thing to do in the morning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take care. Cool. Thanks so much, Adam. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's it. Thanks again to Patrick for chatting with me. His album, You're the Boss, is out right now. Okay. My spark of the week is the Sandman TV show. It is an adaptation of a series of graphic novels by Neil Gaiman. An adaptation of Sandman has been in development for literal decades. So it's pretty amazing that it's finally here. And also, it's really good. Every British actor in history is in it. And it's so well acted and written and produced. It's always really lovely to see genre stuff. And, you know, I mean, like fantasy, sci-fi, horror... Seeing those kinds of movies and TV shows being taken seriously and treated with such care 
just makes me so happy. And there's a lot of that going around these days. Like even the new Resident Evil TV show is good. It's like they said, you know how all of the movies are shit? What if the TV show isn't? <laughs> it's crazy, right? Anyway, watch Sandman in the uh, nine minutes you've got before the new Game of Thrones starts and the Lord of the Rings TV show and the 90 million other things you've got on your plate. Um, but, you know, Sandman really deserves your attention. So give it some. That is, if you like fantasy stuff and you can handle some gory bits. Anyway, that is just about it from me. Uh, I'm off next week. I will be back on August 31st to finish out your summer with a bang. So uh, you have fun, be good, and uh, until next time, bye! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.